This is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Scott Bertram, and I'm joined by Titus Takura from the American Cinema Foundation. You can also find his work uh, via his Twitter feed at Titus Film. That's T-I-T-U-S Film. And in other places like Law and Liberty, an essay we'll talk about today there, lawliberty.org. More links via the Twitter feed, too. Titus, thanks so much for joining us once again. Thanks so much for inviting me, Scott. Very good to talk to you again and to get, in a way, back to this theme of the action movie and American society and citizen virtue. Yes, we talked last time about Bruce Willis and his uh, uh, output in the 1990s, largely his action films as, as Bruce Willis retired from acting. Today we start with a with a missed anniversary of sorts. Uh, last year, 2021, was the 50th anniversary of a fantastic film, Clint Eastwood's Dirty Harry, but nary a word about the 50th anniversary of this film. If you haven't seen it, uh, we'll talk about it during the conversation today, but, you know, in short, Clint Eastwood plays a cop trying to catch a a serial killer, Scorpio, without much help from the official authorities, and we'll dig deeper into that in just a few moments. Why do you think, Titus, this is this is a this is a a fantastic film, and, and b a film that is referenced in many places and and an influential film? Why did twenty twenty one go by without a sort of commemoration of of a claim and an honor for Dirty Harry? Uh, yeah, yeah, I had the chance to feel first appalled by this fact and then try to understand it. Why are we not celebrating a movie and the character we all call iconic? Everybody's heard of Dirty Harry. Everybody quotes some of these lines and it started off an entire genre or at least one genre of action, urban action movies. And uh, I think the biggest reason for this is that elite culture has shifted so much that it's simply become invisible. It's not something we can talk about. It would embarrass people or it would make them afraid that say, woke progressive types are gonna get angry and try to cancel Clint Eastwood, cancel Dirty Harry. And so we have largely all agreed in the language of George Orwell to memory hold it. <laughs> and I don't like that. So I uh, wrote an impassioned and perhaps somewhat angry essay uh, about this wonderful movie but, uh, you know, it fits with the movie itself, which was impassioned and angry mm -hmm. in defense of victims' rights, in defense of law and order. And so Clint Eastwood and Don Siegel proved in 1971 that in our strange time, cinema is becoming more and more conservative. And I think we should learn from that. How much of the lack of appreciation for the film stems from the lead actor himself, Clint Eastwood, now appreciated and beloved in many circles, but we are in a time in society where many of the virtues and strengths of Clint Eastwood's characters through the years are not in fashion, and even the man himself at his old age is probably not in fashion with many of our, our cultural trendsetters. Is Eastwood himself a reason for perhaps a lack of appreciation for Dirty Harry? I think so, yes, because he is such a celebrity. He's perhaps the last survivor of the stars of old Hollywood. He was already famous in the mid-century, before New Hollywood, before the counterculture. And, uh, and indeed, he looks like one of those uh, larger-than-life stars that made Hollywood what it was. So you can't quite get rid of him, but his Republican, his Libertarian, his conservative views are all very embarrassing to people. 
and uh, he has found uh, somehow that he has millions of fans and no defenders. <laughs> this, I think, is what it means to be conservative in the culture in America. Even if you have millions of fans, you have no defenders. And uh, his, uh, and you know, even institutionally, he has received no awards since the Oscars. The Oscars have rewarded him more than any conservative, for example, by giving him a presidential medal. These things are done all the time for artists, but they have not been done for Clint Eastwood. Titus Tekera with us as we talk Dirty Harry, the 1971 film. The, the film itself, Titus, can we see the, the plot uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the, the hero slash anti-hero of Dirty Harry as an extension of not just Eastwood's westerns, but the western plots in general? We know John Wayne was actually offered this role of Dirty Harry before Clint Eastwood accepted it. Do we see Dirty Harry as, a, as an extension of those great western films? Yes, I think so. It's... Um... Some things are very new, such as uh, a serial killer. That's not something you find in a Western, but after all, it is merely an updating of a theme that the Westerns are full of. The bad guy is often a man who has taken liberty to the extreme of insanity because it is no longer ordered liberty. It is no longer lawful liberty. It is no longer tied up with any understanding of humanity. And uh, hence, you know, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Why is the bad guy called Liberty? Well, liberty can turn into something very dangerous. But uh, more broadly, the Western does have a certain aspect, especially in Sam Peckinpah movies, of criticism of modern progressive America, of uh, a country that is no longer a savage desert that has to be tamed and will require many sacrifices. But uh, after success, uh, a country that's maybe threatening to turn decadent. That is, people take for granted not just law and order, but the prosperity they make possible and they defend. They take for granted the way of life they are no longer willing to defend. It's sort of like living in the ruins of a greater civilization. That's part of what makes Dirty Harry so powerful as a movie. Uh, Inspector Harry Callahan, he, he doesn't seem at all impressive in the San Francisco of 1971 of modern progressive doctrines of the ideology of that time, but in another way, he is larger than life. He is a remnant of the Western, a giant among many, if you will, or a man among hippies, a man among liberal pencil pusher, liberal demagogues who don't have any manliness and don't even understand what it is. It just makes them angry somehow because they're uh, in, in a moral and an intellectual sense degenerate. They have succeeded uh, in this modern America, but they are decadent. They have no power or even a desire to defend that America and to improve it. Mm -hmm. They're, uh, in that sense, parasitical. That is, they've, they have great office, they have great authority, but they do not use it for the common good. You write in this essay, which people can find at lawliberty.org, it's called Dirty Harry's Justice. So Dirty Harry stood alone against a decadent city where sentimentality, against, uh, sentimentality about criminals resulted in a terrible cruelty to their victims. That is a statement, as we look at San Francisco, as we look perhaps to Chicago, that is very much in play today. Is, it, is Dirty Harry fresher and more topical now than perhaps it has been in some time. 
yeah, it's terrifying, but it's true. We are in every respect, almost, you can think of reliving the 70s. Of course, most Americans are not, like myself, old enough to remember that time. Mm-hmm. I saw it in movies. I read about it in books. My old friends tell me what it was like living in that in those days, but I wasn't around. So I understand why young people don't get it. But it is terrifying to see, again, this rise in crime. And the public indifference in an age of social media, in an age of video streaming, the almost absolute indifference to all the people who get robbed, who get murdered, who live in fear, who become in a certain way slavish. That is to say, simply used to violence, simply used to lawlessness as just part of what it means to live in San Francisco or in certain parts of New York or in other especially urban, but not exclusively large urban areas, where crime is rising and death by all means is rising without people even noticing uh, traffic deaths. Mm-hmm. People getting killed on the roads have increased enormously in just four years, something like that. Nobody cares, nobody notices, as though even realizing we're in trouble is a bit out of reach for us, even facing up to the fact that there's decadence uh, running amok is harsh for us, so to speak, we dare not face the situation. And so, yeah, what could be more topical than Dirty Harry, who does face this, who does, through his story and his character, focus the entire problem in a way that is uh, inescapable and, uh, I suppose, points even to certain solutions. As we said, he comes from the Western. Why? Well, the Western is the typical American situation. It's always focusing us on the question of law and order and of human nature in its political aspect, how hard it is to get a society to stand up for freedom and to obey order. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's the measure by which you judge any later so-called progressive, but in reality, decadent development. It's the measure by which you judge Uh, something that pretends to be sentimental, very caring, very humanitarian, very egalitarian, but in fact abets and in a way even encourages the most savage violence. You write that Dirty Harry in the film is a man willing to do the duty of justice in full knowledge of the terrible deeds it necessitates rather than hysterically look away. Are we to believe it is easier to enact the policies that uh, San Francisco and California have in this film and perhaps still have today than it is to actively confront uh, the evil that is involved in these violent acts? Is it easier to do these things that, uh, that that are portrayed in the film? Yeah, of course, it's uh, easier to look away. It's Of course, it's easier for progressive woke DAs to not even read the rap shit, to not even look at what a certain criminal is accused of, what the evidence against him is to back up that accusation and just release him. And if something terrible happens again, I mean, what are you going to do? It's just figures. It's just words on a sheet of paper. It's not lived realities. These are officials who don't have to share they're living with the people whom they allow to be persecuted. They have no common good with the ordinary people of San Francisco or other cities. And so uh, it, it's it's the easiest thing in the world to not care. It's never going to come back to bite you. It's never going to even endanger your job. You don't have to have a bad conscience about, about it. And 
It's not just that you don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to feel that you're losing anything. After all, you can always convince yourself that all these victims deserve to be victimized because of structural racism, because of historical injustice or whatever jargon uh, deals with the fact that you're not going to do the ugly things required to enforce law and order. Whereas to do what Dirty Harry does requires to see human beings do terrible, terrible things. Mm. And you have to do terrible things to deal with them. You have to get your own hands dirty. After all, that's the single thing everybody knows about Dirty Harry. It's not just that he's ruthless, he's called Dirty. It's Dirty Harry. It's always Dirty Harry. Why? Well, there's no nice way of dealing with the problem of punishment injustice. There's no nice way of dealing with lawlessness. And in a way, it taints the, the man who does most. He's not the hero. The city doesn't love him. We don't have Dirty Harry's now because they are not honored. And instead, people kind of look away. That guy, his hands are dirty. Mm -hmm. uh, how about the situation he dealt with? Well, that's something we're not going to face. We're not even going to talk about it. So somehow weak people feel more ashamed of seeing a manly man do justice <laughs> than they are of their own weakness in allowing it to be perpetrated in, in their own fear or in their own acquiescence in a corrupt order. And uh, that's what means uh, that's what it means for Dirty Harry to be alone. He, he, the movie goes so far as to suggest that his suffering is sacrificial, like Christ's suffering. Mm -hmm. In one of the hilltop parks of San Francisco, he gets beaten, scourged, if you will, under this massive stone cross. So, and at the end, when he finally confronts the the, the serial killer and defeats him. He jumps on a bus, bus, and behind him again, you see this massive cross in the distance. There are the suggestions that justice has failed. We're now looking for something like divine punishment instead. We can no longer deal with politics, only something that reminds of the holy, of piety, could get anything done. And that is a very bad situation to be in. Titus Tekera is with us, American Cinema Foundation. Find him on Twitter, too, at Titus Film, T-I-T-U-S Film. His piece at Law and Liberty is lawliberty.org. Dirty Harry's Justice, the 50th anniversary of the film last year, essentially unremarked upon. We remark upon it now. John Vernon plays the mayor in Dirty Harry, a great character actor in his time. And there's a scene in which he's trying to convince uh, Scorpio, the, the serial killer, to, to, to come in, to give himself up. But he says, you will not be molested in any way. I give my word of honor on it. What is the kind of honor that the mayor is calling upon that essentially confers no consequence, no punishment upon this evil man? Yeah, that's the that's why I uh, keep using words like decadence, degeneracy, and even political parasitism. It's very important to say these true things out loud clearly because that's what you that's the situation. People talk about honor who are not in fact doing anything themselves, who are not taking any risks themselves, and so have no honor to speak of. It's just like say you know you call a New York mayor his honor. It's what what honor are we talking about? What is the public good that is rewarded with an honor? What authority speaks to all of us that we say, okay, this man is achieving something of great importance in a certain way we depend on his political skill, so we should honor him. What? Uh, surrendering to, to a pretty degraded, mad form of terrorism. That's where you can talk about honor. Uh, 
you could say that it's not honor, it's a kind of humanitarianism. Surrendering to mad murderers is, in a certain way, the most egalitarian thing you can do because it even reduces the difference between man and beast to sameness. The, the mayor doesn't even realize he's debasing himself to the level of a beast, begging this really wicked guy to just give him some time, to just temporize with uh, this sort of tyrannic desire to kill, to humiliate, to do it very publicly, to terrorize people, to thus prove, a criminal wants to prove that he's superior to everybody else because he can debase them by fear. He can make the city live in fear. And the mayor, in a strange way, is helping him achieve this by showing his own fear, by showing how, how far he is willing to go, to indulge, to, to beg, even. And on the other hand, the only person he really has a problem with is Dirty Harry, who is the man of honor. Mm -hmm. So there you see dramatically a complete inversion. Uh, the, the man of honor is called Dirty, and this really despicable politician talks about his honor instead. It's shocking. It's, you could say, too, too pat, too neat, too on the nose. But uh, fundamental realities often are. We just care. We just do not care to notice them because, in a certain way, in, in, it indicts all of us. After all, when a mayor disgraces the law, dishonors the office, and and debases the city, it involves every citizen. Cities, cities like San Francisco are, are piling up trash and crime because there is not enough citizen virtue. People do not even cry out for. Uh, somebody like Dirty Harry to do justice. So they are in a certain way all involved, at least by passive consent, at least by their own weakness. It's it's strange to think about it, but uh, the, the claim of the mayor is that somehow he does speak for a city that no longer cares to defend itself. Hmm. The the movie, I think, was therefore made to to show that shocking thing so that the audience would become outraged and do something about it. And of course, cry out, demand different leadership, throw the bums out, as we say. Mm -hmm. I, uh, you could say that the Dirty Harry was the perfect prediction of the 1972 Nixon landslide, mm. of the reaction of ordinary decent Americans, uh, usually called the silent majority, to demand law and order again, to show by their preferences their own character. Who do you really love and praise? Who do you really hate and fear? What, what is America uh, so that people can stand together? And I think in that sense, it was a, a deeply conservative and a deeply patriotic movie. You write that Harry Callahan is honestly dedicated to public service, but nobody wants him to do the job. He's a perfect critic of elite institutions, city politics, the press, and as a character that would continue in The Enforcer and, and, uh, and, and even more so in The Deadpool later on, the critiques of the press. And even the police department, you say, what is it about Callahan, Dirty Harry's character that allows him to identify these things that the audience also sees, but others around him cannot. Well, let's start with the beginning of the movie itself, which is sort of the most Western moment. There's a bank robbery. That's a Western thing to happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there you see Dirty Harry confront these criminals. It's a showdown in the streets. What's more Western than that? suggests from the beginning that modern America with all the technology, with the increasing population, maybe being the greatest power in world history with the nuclear weapons, it's not really different. It's not really different from the Western. You have to face the same kinds of moral choices and political problems. And what you see with uh, Harry 
politically, he wears a suit. He's always in a in a jacket. Yes. It's it's a bit like an English gentleman, or of course the American gentleman who learned from the English that there's something about self-respect in the way you dress and respect for other people. You announce in a certain way your intentions, your law-abiding character, and that you are part of uh, an order that quietly respects itself. There is something incredibly decent about this guy. The, and, and you see the anger with which he defends that decency, but it's easy to miss that decency itself. Just But, but when you contrast uh, uh, criminals or, or just the hippie uh, disheveled look with uh, Dirty Harry's jacket, you see here is on the one side order looking in a way to decency and to beauty, and here is on the other side disorder advertising a kind of wildness, a kind of carelessness of anyone else. And so that, you could say, is the political setting. He's, he's almost a gentleman. He, he, he's trying to save civilization. And then there is something you could say intellectual about it. He's just sitting down to lunch at the counter, mm -hmm. and he sees something that tells him this is a bank robbery. This is going to be really, really nasty. Uh, ordinary people can't tell. They don't have, you could say, the the training or the experience, but their mind doesn't turn in that direction. They don't know how to look for evil. There is much to life that ordinary Americans simply don't understand. The more successful or prosperous the society, the more people can take for granted that it just goes on. The less they can involve themselves intellectually in fearing intelligently for the dangers, looking out for trouble and trying to stop it, trying to fend it off. What shocks people is just ordinary experience for Harry. He is just a smarter guy, and so he's much less deluded. Peace, prosperity, success, all of these advances, many of them often good, of course, they delude us, but they don't delude him. That's why his unique character, his unique dedication to justice and to the manly notion that he is going to do justice uh, allows him to be such a critic of these institutions that are essentially demagogic because they flatter everybody they flatter us all the time uh you can see whenever in any given scene when you see harry you can see at some level he's criticizing us for not taking our citizenship seriously enough mm. and for not taking manliness seriously so that would say is the opposite of demagogy it's, it's close to an image of statesmanship Titus Tekera with us as we talk about Dirty Harry and its, uh, well, 51st anniversary now in 2022. At the end of the film, Titus, as, as Dirty Harry uh, tracks down, catches, and eventually kills the serial killer Scorpio in the film. After he does so, he throws away his badge into this, this pond, this lake. Should we read into that, that crime, evil, cannot be confronted solely by a legal code, but necessitates a moral code to go along with it? Yeah, something like that, right? You need a deeper insight into human nature than saying, well, you should just obey the laws. What if people stop obeying the laws? Not everybody, just some people. What if authorities themselves stop obeying the laws? You can say about the serial killer, well, that's malfeasance. But you can also say about the mayor, that's at least misfeasance, that's at least criminal negligence, that's at least a failure to do a duty you have sworn to do. What if even high officials, not just low lives, uh, stop obeying the law, stop identifying justice with lawfulness? 
then you have to look at the deeper side of human nature to ask yourself, why would people do it in the first place? Why would people stand up for the law? In what way does enforcing the law mean that in some sense you are master of yourself and therefore a free man? And in limiting yourself to enforcing the law, allowing that everybody else is also free men. That's something that uh, we, we, you know, it's not even much in our language, but it's certainly not on our minds. And so you do have to look at these deeper resources of human nature that start us on the path to politics and that can clarify for us the fundamental questions involved in politics before you get to a legal code. You have to look at these deeper issues of education, of character. And there you see also this troubling uh, possibility. Harry throws away his badge. These laws, they're no good. They, they do not educate people to believe in them, to stand up for them, how to defend them. And in a certain way, the city has given up on itself, neither individually nor together, uh, politically associated, organized to representation, do the citizens of San Francisco have any self-respect, any self-control, any self-mastery. The city is the way in which we organize human autonomy. A city is self-standing in a way no other organization is. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and yet, it can fall apart for all the success we get out of it, for all the achievements and the sophistication and the progress even we can achieve. Uh, people, might, people might find it worth defending. And there you see this problem. To enforce the law is to act on the belief that everybody believes the law is for their good. Otherwise, this is not law enforcement, it's just violence. Mm -hmm. It's just one killer against another. For there to be punishment, which the law also requires, there must be a distinction between the violence the criminal does and the violence the authorities perpetrate. But if the people stop caring about their citizenship, there is no more difference. There is no more law and there is no more punishment. And so that badge now means nothing because Dirty Harry uh, finally did have to get his hands dirty, so to speak. That is, the, the, the laws, the, the prosecutors, the judges, they, they no longer care about the rights of the victims. They no longer care about the right of the public to mm. peace. Uh, and, and, you know, in certain ways, this is criticism, of course, of the regime of Miranda rights, the, all the cases in the mid-century that... Uh, seemed to suggest that the major problem in American law enforcement is that there are policemen, not that there is a crime wave, say, in the late 60s or the 70s or now. And you see this attitude again today. The major problem is uh, publicly said to be the police. Mm. Uh, not to say that the, the American police is perfect, but when you have to make these kinds of stark choices, you, you learn something about yourself. Do you believe the problem in the last 10 years or so of American life have been the police? or the criminals and their abettors and the demagogy. Those are the two sides in American politics and indeed in American life. Every citizen, even if he has no public office or interest, has a private opinion about this. Mm -hmm. And that's fundamentally what it means for there to be America and therefore for there to be justice. Would you really believe are the authorities part of a greater good or are they merely a kind of interest group or a violent organization or what? And uh, until that is settled, you know, how can America really celebrate Dirty Harry? How can America celebrate America? Titus, I don't want to leave Dirty Harry without moving slightly forward to the next film in the series, which is Magnum Force. 
And the plot of Magnum Force revolves around this vigilante group of police officers who are doling out, you know, in, in Western terms, frontier justice and summary execution of these criminals that have gotten off on technicalities, but certainly might still be guilty. How do we look at the character of Dirty Harry as we look toward Magnum Force? What is that line that is drawn between the actions of Dirty Harry and the actions of these vigilante cops that Harry then tracks down in Magnum Force? Yeah, that's a very good uh, point. So Dirty Harry, you could say, is a very harsh attack on the progressives, on the liberals of America from the right, from the point of view of the ordinary citizen, from the point of view of the man who wants to do justice, from uh, the point of view of the silent majority of Americans. But the question is, what happens if this left-wing progressive liberal decadence sets in? There might come a right-wing reaction that is as savage as the criminality that uh, liberals so love. If you encourage murderers in this way, if you give them through the press a kind of crazy celebrity, uh, don't you think there might be people then on the right whose sense of decency is so outraged that they simply abandon the restraints of law and commit terror in their own turn? So then you could say that this is a, what the Magnum Force is about. A, a left-wing attack on law and order might lead to a right-wing attack on law and order. Hmm. These claims of progress are, at, 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 in a way, childish. They seem to think that you can keep humiliating Americans, you can keep treating ordinary citizens as though they deserve punishment, as though they deserve fear, and nothing's going to happen. Nobody will ever do something. So uh, that that is, I think, a, a very good insight into what's wrong with uh, American elites. It's not just that they're liberal, it's that they take it for granted that they will never stir anything that will scare them in turn. Hmm. And of course, uh, as the series of movies progresses, you see that, okay, what if you do have this kind of really ugly right-wing reaction that starts as an outrage sense of decency? Why are liberals preferring murderers under the forms of the law to their victims? There's something unholy about that. What if people start taking justice in their own hands? What if they, in fact, just say, well, we, we no longer have a distinction between man and beast. It has been abolished by progress. So you know what you have to do, act like a beast. Hmm. Who's going to stop them? And it turns out again to be Dirty Harry. Is uh, There you see again what it means to tie up manliness to justice, to the laws, to a sense of decency, even to never forget the people on whose behalf you act, and therefore the character of your actions. Uh, Dirty Harry has to do justice in an American way, not just for American people. Whereas uh, what you see in Magnum Force is that there are people who say to themselves, uh, my ordinary American sense of decency is not just making me feel outraged at the, 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 the evil perpetrated with elite liberal approval, but it's making me hate, despise the very people I have sworn to defend mm -hmm. because they're too weak, they're too complacent, they're not willing to do anything. And so uh, this is how you see how an outraged sense of justice begins to be sort of an, an endless cycle of retribution. Mm. Criminals deserve punishment, decadent liberals deserve punishment. Ordinary American people who suffer uh, quietly instead of standing up for themselves, they do deserve punishment. Who is going to be uh, left that doesn't deserve punishment? 
the, the Magnum Force shows that these uh, tough cops and, and their murderous ways who in some sense see themselves as the natural allies of Dirty Harry, mm. uh, they don't really have any respect for him, much less are they going to listen to his experience or to his greater wisdom. They don't care. Uh, so they, they have no limits. They don't even have somebody to admire who could guide them or stop them if they do something crazy. And uh, that's, I think, part of the deeper analysis that uh, all, all these guys put forward from, from a right-wing point of view, from a conservative point of view in these movies. It was the director, Don Siegel, who made uh, the first couple of movies. It was, of course, Clint Eastwood, who was not just very involved in this, but felt very strongly and talked in interviews about this question, victims' rights. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but you know, the writers associated with these movies included John Milius, the greatest right-wing writer in uh, the latter half of the 20th century in Hollywood, uh, you know, the man who wrote Apocalypse Now, after all. Yeah. They're another great right-wing criticism of the Vietnam War, a very rare thing. But uh, also, uh, Terence Malik was involved in this uh, script at, at some point or another. With these things, of course, it's somewhat difficult to tell, but it's very, it's, he's a great artist. He's the most famous Christian director in America. And uh, so clearly there were a lot of interesting and important artists looking to give uh, a serious view of America, serious political analysis almost, we could say, of what's going wrong with the counterculture, with liberal excesses, and what might be done about it, and what we should fear in this situation, given that it's not going to stop with the good intentions or the indulgence of liberals. It could lead to more troubling things. So, uh, yeah, it's not merely a partisan attack on liberals or on the left. It's also very aware of the possibility of a right-wing reaction that could go crazy too. Titus hmm. Tekera from the American Cinema Foundation, where he is the executive director. You can also find him at Titus Film, T-I-T-U-S Film, and LawLiberty.org for this essay on Dirty Harry, Dirty Harry's justice. Titus, thanks so much for joining us here on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Thanks so much for the invitation, Scott. I'm glad to be doing these things. After all, how can we celebrate any of these movies if we don't think about them, if we don't talk about them? And of course, encourage everybody, watch these movies. They are wonderful. You'll have a great time. And I think also a kind of sense of uplift, of, of self-respect. I think they're quite impressive to all of us for that reason. So we should not be strangers to them. And, All the best. And don't just watch them once because these are eminently rewatchable films in the Dirty Harry series, too. Titus, thanks so much. More of our interviews and conversations on our SoundCloud page. Go to soundcloud.com, search for WRFH Radio Free Hillsdale. And I'm Scott Bertram on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM.